The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein. Over the past 15 years, it's been my mission to help people crack open to a spiritual connection of their own understanding. On my podcast, Dear Gabby, I offer up real-time coaching, straight talk, and guidance on stress, burnout, loss, relationships, spirituality, and everything in between. There's no small talk here. There's only big talk. Dear Gabby isn't just a podcast, it's a movement. People need to feel loved. They need clear guidance. And most of all, they need to know they're not alone. I've got your back, my friend. Join me every Monday for a new episode of Dear Gabby. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me. The podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Um, Welcome to an all new episode of You're Gonna Love Me. It's me, Katie, and I have an all new very special guest today's guest she's a she is the real deal she's very very smart i'm a little intimidated to talk to her because she is like you know she went to a smart person school <laughs> i didn't even go to college There's dumb and smart people <laughs> everywhere as you learn i didn't even go to college so um but she has a lot of really incredible things to say she's a life coach her name is cara Lowenthal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much Thank for you. being here. Okay. I love you already. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you. So I started listening um, to your podcast and it is very life-changing. It's called Unfuck Your Brain, which is like the dopest title ever. But yeah, you are just like very all about, you know, the feminism life and just that women should run the world, which I completely agree with. So you're a life coach. What is a life coach? (laughs) I think my parents had the very same question when I told them I was going to quit running a think tank and become a life coach. The practical answer is it can mean anything really, because there's currently no like licensing requirements. You know, you can just call yourself a life coach if you want to. Basically, I was trained, got certified and master certified. The way that I think about this really is that I think that being a human is hard and confusing for most people. Oh, <laughs> and like totally. <laughs> right. And like over millennia, there are people have always needed just some kind of help with how to like survive being a human. Right. And people had like religion, you had your village elders, maybe you had your tribes, elders, you had the local priests. Then we had, we had religion, we have philosophy, art. Like there's so many different ways that basically people just try to make sense of like, what is this experience I'm having? And like, why do things happen the way they do? And like, how can I understand my life and how can I like do what I want in the world? And so, and now there's therapy and now, and, and I just think of coaching as being really in that lineage of just like, I think that it, it in some ways does the same work that a meditation teacher does and a philosopher does and like religion does for some people, which is just to help people understand what's happening in their experience of the world and try to make sense of it all and figure out what kind of life they want to have and how to do that. On the practical level, like I think the biggest misconception is that people think life coaches tell you what to do, you know, and like, so like you go with a problem and they like give you advice. And 
I don't give anybody advice. I have no idea what anybody should do. My job is to teach people how to think more clearly for themselves. And for women, especially, it's like learning to trust themselves, learning to believe that they do have authority over their own lives. They do know what they want. They do know how to go after it. They can develop the self-esteem to not base their lives on what they think other people think of them. That's really the work I do. So practically, it's a lot of like cognitive focused rewiring work. So it's not me being like, I think you should ask for the promotion and then you should have this title and the raise should be this much and you should break up with your boyfriend, (laughs) right? It's like me helping you figure out who do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? How do I have to change the way that I think about myself to make that possible? For someone who is considering, okay, do I need therapy or do I need a life coach? What, like, what is sort of the difference in how, like, how does somebody decide or how do they choose? Like at what point in their lives would you suggest someone go with a life coach versus therapy? Yeah. The way I think about it is like, there's one category where there's no overlap, which is like, if you are in, if you have an acute mental health condition, you should go to a therapist and really not a therapist. Cause in some places, therapist is not a word that means anything. Like some places you don't have to have a license to say you practice therapy. Like if you are experiencing depression, severe anxiety, obviously sort of self-harm practices, like if you are having a serious mental health and mental stability situation, then I always think you should get a, you know, not just like a psychologist or a licensed social worker, whatever. You should get somebody with a mental health credential who's licensed by the state to to help. (laughs) But I don't think it's an and or an or. So it's sort of more like, I think people can benefit from both at almost every stage. I just don't, I just, the only thing I don't think a person should do is if they're having a serious mental health crisis, only have a life coach. My experience was that I went to therapy. I went to kind of traditional talk therapy for many years. It was helpful in showing me, like I got more awareness out of it, of what was going on and why I was the way I was a little bit. But my experience, a lot of my clients have had this experience. And this also depends on the type of therapy you get. Cause there's a lot of, right. There's lots of different kinds of therapy, lots of different kinds of coaching. Like some of them overlap a lot. Some of them are totally different, but the kind that I had, it felt like I was like, great. So now we know why I'm doing these dysfunctional things. And like, do we have a plan for stopping me or am I just going to like keep doing it and watching myself do it. You know, it was just sort of like, oh, now I have awareness of why I'm like attracted to unavailable people. But <laughs> all right, like, what's the game plan? Like, I'm very, I'm a, you know, very pragmatic. So um, for me, it was sequential. I went to therapy, felt like I got this insight that did not actually, I think one of the premises of some forms of therapy is that insight will create transformation, right? Like once you understand it, it will change. And my experience has been, No. Once you understand it, you will watch yourself continue to do the thing that you now understand until you learn how to change it on purpose. And so I came to coaching, but I have a lot of people in my, I run um, a feminist coaching membership community called The Clutch. And lots of people in there are still in therapy. A lot of people were referred to the podcast by their therapist. A lot of people, sometimes they and their therapist are both in The Clutch. They like talk about the podcast in therapy. So it's really like not so much an either or to me. It's just sort of like, what kind of support do you need? At what point are you in your life? Have you, what what have you already tried? Maybe you want both. Maybe you're ready to just try some coaching. Like the only one I feel strongly about is if you're in acute mental health crisis, you should always have a a mental health. But even there, like I have worked with people who had all of that in place, of course, but we're dealing with serious depression, intrusive thoughts, delusional thinking. And 
it's still, it's like, nobody doesn't need coaching. Some of us also need more support, but a lot of the work that I do is about like, how do you relate to your own mental process and experience? And like, so even if you're having intrusive thoughts or, or severe depression or whatever, you have that. And then you have a whole story you tell yourself about the fact that you're having that experience and coaching helps with that no matter what. Okay. And the, and the clutch, it's a group online or is it one-on-one or how? Yeah. It's like a big community. So it's a membership program, which means it's sort of like going to the gym for your brain. Oh, like you join, it's a monthly fee. You get teaching and coaching. We have live group coaching calls. There's a Facebook group for community discussion. There's a membership site where you get like lessons and workbooks. And I'm very, like I said, practical. So there's a lot of like, listen to this audio, do this exercise. Here's how you're going to practice this. Like, so I really think of it as like, it's like going to the gym. I mean, the funny thing about coaching is people think that they should be able to like, well, I went, I worked with a coach for six weeks and now I'm like, good. I'm like, you can't go to the, you don't, you're not like I lifted weights for six weeks. So now I'm physically strong forever. Right. It's like, it should just be part of your mental health routine. Pardon the interruption, but I don't know if it's just me. I rarely have the time or energy to cook, especially something healthy, but I want to stay healthy. I need to make sure I'm getting the nutrients. And I definitely don't feel great when I'm ordering in food, which is why I'm so happy I found Daily Harvest. So Daily Harvest delivers delicious food, which is all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. And it takes literally minutes to prepare. And I never have to think twice if the food I'm eating is good for me. Daily Harvest is ready when you are. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it. And you also waste less food too. And there's no need to overthink any of your meals for the week with Daily Harvest. The smoothies are great for breakfast. And I love their uh, roasted harvest bowls. They've got soup. I mean, they even got ice cream. I mean, literally they have something for everything you could possibly crave. And Daily Harvest never uses preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anything, including their recently launched almond milk, which is made of only almonds and a dash of sea salt. And that is it. All of their smoothie flavors are amazing. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. I love every week going in and being like, okay, what do I want for next week? What am I craving this time? (laughs) And getting to try out all of their different flavors. Literally, I'm obsessed. So get started today. Go to dailyharvest.com, enter promo code LOVEME to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code LOVEME for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. All right, back to the podcast. When you're talked about like the practicality of it, because I mean, yes, there is some people like to practice, you know, affirmations or meditation or breath work, all kinds of things that can get you into the sort of like mindset or mind frame of a positive thinking space. But for practical people who want to get into the sort of like the unfucking the brain, the rewiring of the brain, what is like the very first step? If you don't want to sit in front of a mirror and practice affirmations. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of affirmations. In fact, I just have been working on a book proposal and one of the stories I tell in the sample chapter is like sitting in front of the mirror trying to do the positive affirmations. I've just been like, this is bullshit. This is not working. Nothing's happening. So my, my theory about that, which I think is um, such a great question is 
The problem with affirmations is that if you don't believe them, yeah, they don't do anything. Right. You don't get any change in your physical state of belief. And so you don't feel any better. And so your brain doesn't recognize that this is a rewarding behavior. Like we have to teach our brain how to enjoy like coaching or therapy or whatever else by basically like it has to get a little reward. Like, oh, I feel a little better. I got like a little hit of dopamine. <laughs> or I got like a little release of serotonin or whatever. Like I feel a little better. This is worth doing. And so I would say if every if people were trying to try practice one thing, I mean, the very basics are you have to write down what's in your brain so you can see it on paper. So like write it all down, what you're thinking Oof. about anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, and that's a lot of people have trouble just with that, right? Because they judge the shit out of themselves. I end up doing a lot of work in the clutch. I'm like, who even cares what your thought is? We got to judge. We got to coach you on all the judging of the thought that's happening, right? There's all the judgment. So people don't want to look at their own thoughts. They judge themselves. They're afraid they're true. So sometimes that's even a big step there. But the thing that I um, teach that I think people have the most easy traction with right away is instead of trying to believe an affirmation, you try to practice something called a neutral thought, which is just a like, baby step above whatever shitty thought you have now. So if your thought is like, I'm going to die alone and your affirmation you're trying to believe is like, I'm a, you know, love goddess who attracts and manifests abundant love in my life or whatever, like that you don't believe at all. (laughs) Yeah. But practice believing something in between think. And by practice believing, I mean, literally just thinking to yourself, like something like it's possible my brain is wrong that I will die alone, right? Or many people who have thought this before have then found partners. Or like these thoughts where you're just giving yourself a little bit of wiggle room that your brain may not be right. Like I, I, another example I always give is if you hate your body practicing like in the mirror naked, I'm a beautiful Aphrodite does not do anything. But if you practice a thought like this is a human stomach or many women have wrinkles, they're natural, whatever it is, you're not going to feel amazing yet. You're just going to feel slightly less shitty, but it's going to teach your brain that it works. And then you get to work your way up. Okay. Yeah. That I can relate to. One thing I like really specifically want to talk to you about today is something that I get asked a lot about, and that's about positive body image, Mm -hmm. because that I know is something that not just women, but a lot of people struggle with. And I think a lot of people have watched me on, you know, Vanderpump Rules. And there's been a lot of like body shaming that, you know, that kind of shame has, has, you know, worked its way into my psyche. It has become a reality for me in my life. And I've, you know, kind of inherited those thoughts as my own. And so people ask me like, how do you have such positive body image? And I'm like, I don't. I, 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 it's not 100% positive every single day. It's, it's like an everyday, you know, thing. So I was listening to, um, your podcast. I think it was from like the most recent one where you're taking, um, listener questions. I turned it off because I was like, wait, I want to talk to you about this today. I don't want to (laughs) like listen to everything already. Yeah. I want to, um, definitely get all of your thoughts on sort of the necessary steps to start building that. And you were just talking about that standing in front of a mirror because it is sort of just like starting it kind of, and it sounds kind of fucked up just to say like, you're, you're looking pretty okay today. But that's when you, you know? have to do what works, right? So with body image, especially, I think the amount of messages we get about body image and for a lot of not, as you say, not only women, but mostly people socialize as women are certainly a lot of them. 
the amount of unconscious thoughts you have about your body every day is just so, so many. And so I think that there's sort of two different routes you have to take. So one is that neutral thought process. And I use that to shift my body image. And you know, your listeners can't see me, but I'm somebody who lives in a fat body, who I actually was thinner when I did this work and love myself much more now, which is how you know it's mental, but like was never like conventional, you know, I'm like five, two and a curvy Jewish lady, like not, never, never going to look like a supermodel. And I had, and I struggled with eating disorders for decades, literally. And so I've done this work on myself and I know that this is what works. And it really is. It's two things. One is those very neutral thoughts. I always say like, it should be a thought that you would never put on an Instagram quote. Like it doesn't sound inspirational. It doesn't sound like it shouldn't be on a background of a rainbow on Pinterest. Like (laughs) it's going to be things like, maybe I hate my thighs, but they also help me walk. Like it really has to be like just something you can actually believe. Most of us have no idea how to know if we believe something. It's like not a skill that we're taught, which we should be. The way that you know if you believe something is if you it produces a physical feeling in your body. So we know that when we think of, I look so disgusting today or whatever, we feel that physically, right? It feels horrible. And then when we want to try to think a neutral thought, we I think people think because they've heard of affirmations that like, what they should be able to do is come up with like a new magic thought that makes all the negative old thoughts go away and feels amazing. But that's just not realistic. That's like going to the gym and being like, listen, I've never done anything here before. In fact, I've been smoking a pack a day for 20 years. And now I'd like to deadlift 400 pounds and run a marathon, right? (laughs) Like, no, the trainers would be like, you can barely bend over. Like, let's try, (laughs) like, let's try you walking up one stair and then breathing again because of all that smoking. We have to go step by step. So practicing those very neutral baby step thoughts is one. But the second part is, I think it's still the same cognitive strategies, but it's the deeper question of why do we want to look a certain way in the first place, Mm. right? Women are socialized to believe that their beauty and their physical sexual appeal, mostly to men, is the currency that they need to trade to get everything else they want in life, Mm. get love, to get affection, to get happiness, to get respect, to get anything. And so we have to do the rewiring around that also, because if you believe, you can train yourself to believe you're more attractive, like to see yourself as beautiful. But if you don't fix that, then you are still living in a world where you're like, okay, well, I have more currency now, but this is still how we have to operate, right? And then you will still always be obsessed with finding yourself not good enough. And then whenever something isn't working in your life, you'll blame it on how you look. So we have to do that work of like, why do we think we want to look a certain way? What do we think it's going to get us? And then we have to go about like deprogramming that from our brains. Yeah. I think people have always said like, you know, if I could just, you know, lose these pounds, then I'll be happier. Mm -hmm. If I could just fit into this, you know, dress, then I'll be happier. It's like, you know. Even though all around us are people who have that weight or can wear that dress or look like model, whatever, who are not happy all the time. Right. But we're sold it by such a huge advertising machine that we have this thing right called cognitive dissonance, which means when your brain has two ideas that don't go together, your brain's just like, I'll just ignore that. That's fine. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) let me just find evidence for what I already believe and ignore all the evidence, the contrary. So like, it doesn't matter how often we see that the way you look, you know, like it, you can be the most beautiful one in the world and you can have a partner who cheats on you, right? Mm. Or you can lose a contract or you can get sick or whatever. Like we are told that beauty will, that conventional attractiveness will protect us from suffering. That's not how it works. 
we're going to take a little teeny break. But I don't know about you. I am so excited for all the summer parties. That's right. We'd have parties this summer, but I always have a hard time finding cute shoes that are comfortable enough to wear um, all night long. And I don't like to be that girl. You know what girl I'm talking about? The one that has her shoes off by the end of the night. But at Just Fab, they have hundreds of cute heels to choose from. And as a VIP, you get them for only $10. So naturally, I had to get them in two colors. <laughs> That's right. Because when you become a VIP member at Just Fab, you'll get your first pair of shoes for only $10 plus 50% off any clothing, accessories, or additional styles you will fall in love with. So I was like, well, while I'm here, may as well get a cute dress to wear with my shoes. So as a VIP member, you will always shop at VIP prices. Plus you'll get access to exclusive sales, products, and collabs, including Kelly Rowland's collection for just fab access to curated collections of fab kids shoes and clothing. So it's one place to shop for the whole family and exclusive discounts to amazing partner brands. So how the VIP membership works, you visit the website anytime between the first through the fifth of the month and decide whether you want to shop or skip the month. If you do not shop or skip the month by the fifth, you will be charged $39.95 as a credit towards your next purchase. So it's really like a gift to your future self. So whether you shop, skip, or get credited, you will always shop at VIP prices. So go to justfab.com slash love me to become a VIP and get your first pair for only $10. That's right. Go to www.justfab.com slash love me and you're going to become a VIP and get your first pair of shoes for only $10. All right, let's get back to the show. When there's all this outside sort of pr pressure or the the notion that like this is what's acceptable, like this is what's beautiful being fed to us, how do we start to see ourselves as having kind of currency of as being acceptable? How do we ignore that? Well, I don't, I think it's, again, two different things. Like number one, we ch practice changing our thoughts. It's literally just rewiring your brain to think something different about yourself. But especially in terms of visual stuff, it's also very helpful to just give yourself other images to look at. So what most of us do is look at images of people who look like what we think we need to look like. And then we berate ourselves for not looking like that all the time. Right. And we think that's going to be motivational somehow, which <laughs> it's not. No. And you know, the studies are all out there that like looking at social media promotes body dissatisfaction, looking at women's magazines promotes body dissatisfaction. Take a woman who's feeling good about her body, give her a women's magazine. 15 minutes later, she feels terrible about her body. I think this is a benefit of social media is that you can actually also curate some of what you see. So it used to be like you only had glamour and Vogue and self magazine and you couldn't like make your own magazine of like cool fat women or women with your kind of larger nose or women with body hair, whatever thing it is you're insecure about, right? Like you were just kind of out of luck unless you could find those people in person. Whereas with the internet and social media and Instagram, you can like curate your own visual feed and diet to some extent. And so I always recommend that people, whatever thing it is that they're insecure about, well, just in general that you fill your Instagram feed with like people with normal bodies who aren't Photoshopping them yeah. and all I, that shit. That's definitely something I've, I've had to do in the last, you know, just, just to help me. If it makes me feel bad about myself, if it makes me feel any kind of way that isn't 
positive. That's not serving me in a way that is, you know, encouraging. I don't, I unsubscribe. Yeah. And you really can reset your visual reference that way. I mean, for me, I see this the most commonly now when I used to look at like underwear models, whatever you're trying to buy a bra. Right. And like, I used to look at them and I would see the straight size ones, you know, the thin ones. And I would, I remember just being like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to look like. Like my life would be so amazing if I looked like that. And now I've really reset my visual marker. And so now when I see that, obviously, of course, I'm not saying the thin women aren't also beautiful, but like now when I see that, my initial response is really like, oh, what? That's not what I, that's not like that. What's wrong? Like, that's not what I'm used to seeing anymore because I've reset my default to be a plus size body because I live in a plus size body. There is no benefit in the world to me of constantly telling myself that I should look a different way. It doesn't, it is not actually motivational. It does not cause you to change your body. And most people's bodies are not as changeable as they, as we're told that they are. So I think it's both like, I definitely recommend everybody like follow and it can be whatever your thing is. If you are old, like there's amazing, like 80 year old fashion icons on, on Instagram, right. Who are like, haven't had all of this plastic surgery and you can see their normal human wrinkles. And there's like, whatever your thing is, fill your visual diet with that because that will actually kind of hack your brain faster in some ways than the thought work, but also you have to change your practice different thoughts. I like that visual diet, change your yeah. visual diet. Yeah. Okay. It's the only detox I ever recommend is a visual detox. Like get, <laughs> yeah. Just like you said, get rid of anything on anyone on Instagram that when you look at it, you then think shitty thoughts about yourself. You can change those thoughts, but you already have a lot of thoughts to change. Like let's make it easy. There's no reason to like stick your head in the lion's den. Like just change that. Absolutely. Okay. So you want to just be more loving and accepting of your body and where it's at, but how can you do that? But also want to make, you know, positive changes. I really question what's a positive change. Like uh, a positive change to me is like a change that you truly don't believe will make you any more worthy, lovable, or good enough. Yes. How do people identify like changes they want to make for themselves versus what they think they should do. Yeah. I think that's putting the cart before the horse. It's sort of like, it's like, that's where people always want to go. People are like, okay, so you've explained new thoughts to me and I tried it like once. And now I want to know how to like decide which changes to make, which is normal. Like, cause we're so in, but that's how indoctrinated we are in the idea that we should always be trying to change our bodies, that this is like a lifelong project. And of course there should, there will always be things you're trying to change about it. And that's like a normal human state of affairs right? It's like, it's almost like we got to really, I think, pause and sort of like saying, well, how do I know when I should drink and not drink if I'm currently being like compulsively motivated to drink by a chemical dependency and like crippling self-esteem issues? Like Uh that's not really the question. The question is let's clean up those two things first. Like let's clean up the dependency and the crippling self-esteem problem and then see how much you want to drink if or when, right? So it's kind of the same thing. Like Humans are very action oriented. We always want to know like what to do, how to act. We're always trying to act our way out of our feelings. But I think like with my clients, I'm always like, let's worry about that once we maybe stop like spending 60,000 thoughts a day shitting on ourselves. Like that, let's like, just put that in the parking lot for a minute or two. Let's like work on this because your thoughts and your feelings are what determine what changes you want to make or how you want to act. So it's like, we can't know ahead of time. Until you clean up your thinking, we don't really know if you actually care about this part of your appearance or that fitness goal or whatever. We won't know that. It's like, it's like, how should I arrange the furniture in this room? Well, the room's currently cluttered with like 
old magazines and rat poop. So like, I don't know, we got to <laughs> clean up the room first and like, then we'll figure out, do we still want to live here? Should we rearrange the furniture? Like clean up your thoughts before you decide if you really need to lose 15 pounds. Is that what totally, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. It's like clean up the thinking. Then we'll see what do you want? It might turn out you do. It might turn out you're like, oh, I don't give a shit about that. It might turn out you're like, but it turns out I really want to run a marathon or like join a bowling league or I don't know. Like it's amazing what turns out to actually matter to you once you clean all that stuff up. So yeah, it's like, we, we don't want to try to jump too far in the process. Okay. Let's try, you know, cleaning it up. If that's what ends up happening and like, there's, there's no shame or problem in that, if that's ultimately like what someone wants to do. But I think if it's going to make you happy or if it's because you feel like it's pressure from society or something. But also else, why you know? is it going to make you happy? Is it because you've told yourself I'm only allowed to think I look good if I weigh a certain amount or if I have visible abs or if I get a nose job or whatever, right? I coach people all the time who have lost the weight or gotten the surgery or done the implants or whatever. And they're like, what the fuck? This was supposed to make me feel good about myself, right? But your brain has habits like anything else. So if you said to me, listen, I always write with my right hand, but like I'm going into the doctor tomorrow and I'm getting a nose job and then I'll write with my left hand. I'd be like, no, those things are not related, right? We think that what we think about our bodies or how we feel about them is caused by our bodies, but that's not true. It's caused by our brains, Brains, right? That's why models who are in fashion magazines can have terrible body image, right? It's not caused by actually how your body looks or even how closely you match conventional beauty standards, right? It's actually caused by how you think. If you've trained your brain, like I coach people who've gotten plastic surgery on a part of their body and they had trained their brain to constantly criticize and not like that part of their body and blame it for all their negative emotions of being a human. Wow. And waking up with a different looking piece of their body the next day did not change that because it's a thought pattern that's a habit now. It's like you can't go to, it's like PT. It's like, no, we would have to retrain the whole system. It doesn't just change. That's huge. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change right? Yeah. It's like kind of totally, like that, yeah. that same thing. It's really wild. Like your eyes actually, when you rewire your brain, your eyes see things differently. Yeah. Right. And like, everybody's had the experience of looking back at a photo, especially as you get older, women will constantly be like, now when I look back at it, I think I look so good. And when I was there, I hated it. Right. It's oh, like, yeah. I remember looking, yeah. When I was like 24 and I was like, oh, I thought like my arms were like big back, you know, just really stupid stuff. And I was just like, there's, there's kind of like a little bit of a trend saying like, why wasn't I nicer to her back then? And it's like, kind yeah. of, it's really kind of sad because it's just, you know, this is our only body that we get. This is, you know, we're going to, we waste time. We waste life. And so much energy. Yes. Right. Like, I don't, it's like not a coincidence to me that, you know, women are encouraged to spend all of their time focused on this stuff. Like what, what are you not doing in the world? Like, what are you not contributing or creating? How are you not serving and showing up? Like what impact are you not having? Because you are spending 60% of your energy thinking about how many you know, calories or fat grams or whether you're in ketosis or not, or whatever, like, like it's such a double-edged sword, right? Society tells us that our value is based on how we look. And then if we think a lot about that, then we're vain and shallow. Right. That's some bullshit, right? Like we're trained to think this way and there are multi-billion dollar industries. Like the diet industry would go out of business if people weren't trying to lose weight all the time. That's their business is convincing people that they need to lose weight all the time. That's how they make money. So there's all of these forces teaching us to think this way. But when I think about like when I, basically when I stopped caring about my weight, I was able to 
quit a career that I wasn't in love with, found this business, which now employs 10 other amazing women to have like incredible jobs, make multiple seven figures, have a podcast that has 20 million downloads, reach women all over the world. Like I couldn't do any of that shit. Damn. When I was spending all my time hating my body and thinking about like how many grams of carbs I'd eat. See, that's what's inspiring. That's why when I say that I, I don't have the positive body image because it is, it is like living inside of like a prison inside my brain sometimes because like I'll catch myself thinking about things, you know, when you go to get dressed in the morning or when you go to, you know, like just like, and then I'll have to like stop myself and be like enough. Right. People think that body image or self-love is like this destination they're going to arrive at, Mm -mm. but it's not. It's just a relationship you have with yourself. Just like you can love a friend or a partner, even though sometimes you're like, you really need a haircut, (laughs) right? Or like, whatever. Like sometimes you still, you have a negative thought about their appearance or how they are. That doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore. The problem with us is that we're like, I had a negative comment about myself. So that means I now need to like pile on the trash heap of everything that's wrong with me, throw myself under the bus completely Right. And be completely mean to myself. I just try to be kind as, as possible. But like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll catch myself getting into like a negative feedback loop of like, oh, and then I'll like. That happens to all of us. Yeah. And that's okay. It's yeah. Like we, it is okay. I think that's so important for people to hear that happens. And that doesn't mean this isn't working. I'm never going to be able to get better about it. It's always going to be this way. Right. It's just normal. Like if you have, if you have an imbalance in your body, like, and you, you know, if you're walking funny, like you're torqued when you're walking or whatever, right? You're like one hip's higher. And then like you go to physical therapy, there's going to be like relapses or days that it hurts more, days that it hurts less. Like it's not always linear. Yeah. And so like, I think for all the women who are listening to this and want to work on their body image, it's a slog for a while. Like I spent like a lot, I spent like a whole summer walking around New York and just every time I saw a conventionally attractive woman, which in New York is very frequently, I would just literally say to myself, all being suffer. It was like, I had, I was like, I took so much repetition to convince my brain and like really rewire it to stop believing that if you looked a certain way, you would always get to be happy. Yeah. I have to remind myself every time I like wish I could just like be at certain, this certain weight or something that like some very beautiful women have told me at times that when they were at their like skinniest, it was when they were the least happy they've ever been. Oh. So I'm like, all right. Like that's like kind of like the thought that enters my mind the minute I go there. So like I right. will, like, it's just important to kind of have perspective in those moments. Like you just said. Yeah. And the truth is like, if we're lucky, we're all going to age. <gasps> yeah, Our bodies are yeah. all going to change. Right. So it's like, that's the irony. And it is a prison. Like often the most conventionally attractive people, people whose job is a job, it is basically to be conventionally attractive. Right they don't feel good about themselves either. It's like, we want to win at this game, but this game is rigged. Even if you win, all you've won is now having to like, like, let's say you could be crowned most beautiful woman in the world on like X day. Now you would become obsessed with fighting the passage of time and trying to stay that way, right? Like there's no way to win this game because we all, if the conventional ideal of beauty is a 22 year old, we are all going to get older. Like our bodies are going to change. And so- I, I actually haven't gone through this work myself. It's like, I actually now feel a lot of compassion for people who are very conventionally beautiful because I'm like, cause I watch how like, it's harder sometimes for them to like age, to lose that kind of privilege of being treated a certain way because of how they look. Like it's not, we're like we're fighting so hard to try to win this game. And the prize is like 
a bag of shit, basically. It's like not, it's not feeling good about yourself forever. And I think that's like so much of what humans struggle with and the compulsive things we try to do or try to become is because we think there's what I call like an exit ramp off the human experience. Like if I just look a certain way or make a certain amount of money or get a certain kind of partner or finally have a baby or whatever it is, I will just get to feel good all the time. I just won't have to feel bad. And like, spoiler alert, there's no version of human life where you don't feel bad sometimes. Yeah, it's a rat. An option. It's a rat race, right? We got to just enjoy this like little time that we have here. So we should just, you know, the little, the little things like have the glass of wine, have the whole bottle, screw it. Have the cake, <laughs> you know, have that piece of pizza, have the, you know, do, do. Or like, just let your stomach see the sun, even if it's not completely flat. Yeah, exactly. Where, where the have bathing sex with the lights on, where the bathing suit wear the shorts, let the stretch marks out. Cellulite is normal. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, but like this year, this is the one year I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. (laughs) I think if you, when you really ask yourself why you want something, so often the answer is, I just think I would get to feel good enough and I would get to be happy. But happiness isn't like a state that we get to where we just get to stay there forever. Once we finally fix all the problems. I don't think it shouldn't be a destination. That should be the journey. It can't be a destination. Like it does, unless you have an aneurysm, like it's normal (laughs) to like, (laughs) you're always going to have, like, I would call myself a happy person. I love my life. I feel very like fulfilled and self-actualized and a hundred percent. I wake up some days. I'm like, I hate everything today. Yeah. Right. Or I feel sad or I feel rejected or I feel whatever. That's the normal human experience. But we're sold this fantasy that looking a certain way means never feeling lonely, never feeling rejected, never feeling sad, always feeling loved. And that's just not true. And if you let go of that fantasy, then you don't need the thing so badly. Yeah. But would you say make happiness your journey? Like enjoy the things to make happiness the journey, not the destination, like we just said, right? I think like we're on a journey and some days, and it's completely normal that some days the bus lets us off at the happiness stop. And some days the bus lets us off on the grumpy stop. And some day like... And that, but happiness is coming again. It's like every time we get, we're upset, we forget our entire life experiences and we're like, well, this is it. Now I'll feel this way forever. I'll never be happy again. <laughs> this is permanent. Everything is terrible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, it's not. Tomorrow you'll probably feel better. I do think thought work and like choosing how to think on purpose and choosing to practice positive thoughts can help like shift the balance some, but we're never getting to a hundred. And you're not supposed to. If you are always happy, you actually wouldn't really enjoy it because you wouldn't have the contrast. No one would want to be around you. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you have no friends. <laughs> I like a little cynicism, you know? Listen, I'm with you. When I told my mother about thought work, she was like, well, if you could like everybody, how would you decide to be friends with them? That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out you still can decide. You still like some people more than others. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This has been like extremely eye-opening. I really want to, I want to check out The Clutch. I feel like that's something I Yeah, could, I come like, on, check it out. I feel like everyone could benefit from it. But so everyone needs to check out your website. It's really great. There's so much information on there. It's it's literally unfuckyourbrain.com. Right? Unfuckyourbrain.com. And listen yeah. to your podcast. It's incredibly inspiring. There's a lot you can get out of that Unfuck Your Brain podcast. Do you have any other like, 
other thoughts? Did we leave anything out about unfucking your brain? And like, un- I know. I, I mean, mean, there's it's... a lot to say on unfucking your brain because I have like 400 episodes. Of but course. I think we covered. <laughs> but if you want to hear more from Cara, go listen to her podcast, go to her website. She knows her shit. She literally went to Harvard and you went to Yale, correct? So she does. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, she knows her shit. So, um, but Cara, <laughs> I liked, I liked my podcast with something called the rage text of the day. It could be to like anything or anyone like an inanimate object, the weather. Do you, do you have anything or anyone you'd like to send a rage text to? A rage text? Yeah. Yeah. If my cat can receive texts, I have a very old (laughs) grumpy cat who's like 20 years old and he's going deaf and he screams a lot. And I just often think like, if we could just communicate in English, we could make this better. So if I, if he could read text messages, I would send a text that said, please stop screaming during <laughs> podcast interviews. <laughs> oh. Maybe rage texts aren't supposed to have please, but that's yeah, what well, you get from a life coach. It would, it would be like one of those like, please. Yeah, it would be a very passive aggressive, please. I love that. What's his name? Name is Darwin. Darwin. Oh. I mean, I could also rage text the patriarchy all day, every day, but that would be a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, fuck the patriarchy. You know what I want to send a rage text to? Necklace clasps. Oh, yeah. We're that is some bullshit. We're still doing those little tiny ass little, like the little nub that you have to bend down that like if you just can't get the right angle with the little, the tiniest little hole that we have to somehow magically like work it into. Behind our backs. And I have like kind of pretty like thick finger fingertips. Me too. Those were invented when people had maids to put their necklaces on behind their backs. That's my theory. They were probably invented by men too. This is a perfect example though, because I used to bite my nails all the time. And then I fan, used to fantasize, well, when I just finally stop, I'm good enough and I stop biting my nails, I'll be easy to put on necklaces all the time. And then I was very mad when I stopped biting my nails and I now have long nails and I still can't fucking put on necklaces. So Your nails to have show. to be like the most perfect length. It's just too much. I'm with you. I co-sign your rage text. My cat is now screaming. You can hear him probably outside the door. <laughs> I can't, but I will let you go. So you can um, go tell him to please stop. But yeah, until next time, be kind to yourselves and, you know, start start thinking neutral thoughts. Slightly less shitty thoughts for the world. That's less what we're doing. Thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Follow along on social at Music Kills Kate and tune in next week for an all new episode. 